Hi, I'm Andy McDonald, Senior Pastor of Whole Life Church here in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational congregation, a faith community committed to our mission to love people into lifelong friendship with God. And we're committed to our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Things to Remember is the series, and and repetition is one of the great memory devices. And so I want to just start by reviewing where we've been. We started out our first week of the four things to remember, talking about remembering to fix your eyes on Jesus. I talked about two ways you could do that. The first way is for us to memorize his words, to put them in our brains, to, to review them over and over till they're stored there so that wherever we are, anytime, any place, we can immediately think to ourselves, what would Jesus do? WWJD. And then our minds can go to those teachings that are in our brains and we can access it. We can fix our eyes on Jesus' will for us. The second way I talked about we could fix our eyes on Jesus is for us to be able to think about seeing in every person the face of Jesus. As we go through our lives on a day-to-day basis, wherever we are, the people that we look at, to recognize in that person the presence and the person of Jesus. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you brought me drink. He's saying that you can fix your eyes on Jesus by fixing your eyes on every human in our world. So then next week, last week, which is the second week in the series, I said that we should remember to trust the gospel. I didn't say believe the gospel. I didn't say hold on to the gospel or, or anchor yourself in the gospel. I said trust the gospel. And, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, that amazing passage that tells us what that good news is, what the gospel is, that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. Good grief. There was not one amen. You know, you must be holy people. You don't need your sins being not counted against you. I don't know. <laughs> but it's crazy to really believe that God is no longer counting men's sins, people's sins against them. That's great news that we have to share with the world. So trust, trust the gospel. Today, we add the third thing to remember to our list. Love each other and everybody else. <laughs> in all the walled-off circles that we humans create, we're, we're pretty good at loving each other in, in our gang, our group, our tribe, our subset. There's nothing revolutionary, really, about loving the people that look like you and think like you and have a shared history with you and smell like you and speak your language and vote like you. Those are people who are pretty easy to love. But this isn't what I'm wanting us to understand and to remember when I talk about loving people, not just loving your people. Truth is, we don't need to be reminded to love our people. You know, to love the people who seem to naturally love us is really pretty easy. What I'm hoping that you will remember is the amazing, the amazing breadth of humanity whom we are called to love. Our our mission here at Whole Life Church is loving people into a lifelong, what? Friendship with God. 
And the reason this is our mission, the reason we adopted this mission is because if we're engaged in this work, if we are sold out on point with this amazing mission, literally everything else, everything else will take care of itself. When we were working on developing our mission as a church, I sort of lobbied for a one word, one verb mission. I went to the board and I said, well, our mission could just be love. You know, go love. Love. Well, uh, you know, the, our board and eventually you as a congregation found that a few more words were helpful. Uh, we like knowing who, who. When we say just love, love, love birds or fish or flowers or, you know, our car or what do we love? And we, we, we sort of narrow that love people, love people. And we like knowing to what end. We're going to love people for some, to some end and it's so we can love them into a lifelong friendship with God. The friendship, the friendship with God from God's side is, ref, is reflective of his perfect love, his complete redemption and, and reconciliation so that Jesus brings us back to himself and to the Father and eternal friendship with God. So from, so from God's side of the friendship equation, it's been reestablished. When we think about this activity, which I want you to remember, to love each other and everyone and everybody else, it might be helpful to consider what words mean. Uh, what do they mean? And we'll define love in just a moment. But, but first, who is included in loving each other? I mean, who are the each others? I, I added in everybody else because we humans have this strange ability to, to want to exclude. We hear Jesus saying to his followers, that'd be to us, love each other. And we may say, yeah, that's a great idea. We may hunker down and really start being very serious about how we love our fellow church members or maybe the people within our denomination or, or maybe we'll broaden it to all of our brothers and sisters in the universal body of Christ. And this isn't bad. It'd be a good thing if churches did that more. Uh, if we did this well and consistently, it'd be a great witness, a great incredible witness that we are followers of Christ. You see, we can quickly go back to the Middle Ages and think about the church in the Middle Ages, and we can question how in the world did that organization call the church? And the members of the church, how could they behave in applauded ways that were in, not in sync with God's call to love? The Inquisition and love. Uh, we, we can go back to the days in, in, of legalized owning of people in our country. And, and we can read about Christians who dehumanized their fellow humans, the, the very antithesis of loving. It was just some 70 years ago that, that there were Christians who were supportive of the Nazi regime for ethnic cleansing. Maybe, maybe those are in history, but, but maybe it's happened to you. Or, or for certainly, I can guarantee that it's happened to somebody you know, that, that people in the church have been treated in less than loving ways. And really, uh, not by accident or some kind of mistake, but by actually intention. So it's important to me to, to want you to remember to love each other and everybody else. We don't get any skip bows. We don't. Loving people who love us, that's easy. 
Jesus even said that, that even the pagans do that. Uh, his call to us is not to just love people who don't love us. His call is not even just to love people who are maybe apathetic about us, period. His call to, is for us to love, to include those who are actively against us. He's called us to love even our enemies. So it's clear that we're to, we're to remember to love each other. Loving each other is sort of really just a, a, a training ground, a practice run, uh, an arena where we can work out how to love people so that we can love everybody else, including those who wish us harm. So now with this call to remember to, to love each other and everybody else, it'd probably be good for us to review, review what, what that looks like. What does it mean to love someone? What is love? I, maybe I'm a little stuck in my ways, but when I'm thinking biblically and want to know what love is, my mind just rushes to 1 Corinthians 13. Where, where it is boldly defines the most excellent way in verses six through eight. We've all heard it many times, but, but don't let the f- familiarity you know, cause you to lose the meaning. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, there's an art technique. I, I've taken, I was taking an art class once, and they taught us the technique of erasure. And what that is, is like you put a, like a lot of charcoal maybe on a piece of paper. And instead of drawing something, you take your eraser and you begin to erase the lighter spots in what you're trying to draw. And you, uh, you do that. You can use it very lightly and leave a lot of charcoal and sort of darker in that spot. Or you can push down really hard on the eraser and make almost a white spot on your paper as you remove all the charcoal. Instead of drawing lines, you're, you're removing the dark to varying degrees, creating the scene to appear before you. Maybe, maybe we've so often been trying to draw the lines of what love is that we might awaken a, a different understanding by clearly naming the choices and the, and the behaviors and the antithetical things to love. What love isn't? So listen, when, when, when we practice towards others or when they treat us in a certain way, uh, we can know that regardless of what they might be claiming or what we might be claiming, if we say, oh, it's love, or they say, oh, I love you, and then there are these things, then it's... It, Temperance, tempers, uh, you know, keeping a record of all the wrongs done, any delighting in evil, uh, any enjoying other people's failure, <laughs> uh, uh, allowing harm, distrust, seeing a person as hopeless and giving up or failing on them. Those are the practices that we want to, we want to have dropped from our human resume. We, we all have those things that pop up occasionally, but those are the absence, the opposites of love. What I want you to, to love each other and everybody else. Here's how love does, here's what it does and how it 
behaves. It is patient and kind and generous, modest, humble, polite, altruistic. It's peacemaking, forgiving, just in all of its ways. It, it, it love celebrates virtue in others. It protects, it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres, and it is unfailing. Just a few paragraphs apart in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus shows what love is all about. And then he calls us to this new commandment, love one another. In verse 12, it says this, when, when he had finished washing the disciples' feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asks them. You call me teacher and Lord, and, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. It's interesting that as a denomination, we have virtually literalized these words. We, we, um, we hesitate to even think about celebrating the Lord's Supper, sharing in that without first literally washing one another's feet. The symbolic washing of each other's feet, clean feet, I might say, is only is rich only as it leads us to living God's love in service to one another and to our world. It's it's a symbol of how our life should be 24/7. It's only a little further in the Gospel of John then that Jesus says in verse 13 I mean in uh, I forget what verse it's in he says a new commandment I give to you love one another as I have loved you so you also must love one another By this will all men know that you're my followers, my disciples, if you love one another. The washing of feet and the command to love one another are are married together in this chapter of John 13. Because that is the essence of love. Love is a readiness to serve. This third thing that we got to learn to remember is to love each other and everybody else. But what I'm really wanting you to do is to remember is to be ready, be ready to serve. Always ready to serve, because that is to love. We must learn to love. It's something we have to learn. Years ago, I, I, I didn't mention this at first service, but years ago, we, um, we taught a seminar here at this church back down on the lake one of the first things that I, I did when I became the senior pastor was a s- seminar called Learning to Love. Um, it's, it has served us well. <laughs> it really has. But it's something we have to learn. We have to learn how to be humble and polite and be peacemakers, how to be patient and kind and generous, how, how to be altruistic and forgiving and just. How, we got to learn how to celebrate virtue, how to protect others and and build trust and, and hope and persevere and never, ever give up on people. These are skills and practices that we must master so that we can exercise them with each other and everybody else as we remember to love. Ray Stedman says that we're not to love because people are lovable, but because each is another. 
Everyone is a person capable of a unique relationship to God. That's why we're to love one another without regard to what that person does, their, their interests or their concerns. Uh, true love is, a, is an interest and a concern for the, another person just because they are another, a person, and for no other reason. Whole Life Church is the perfect lab. We really are. We're the perfect lab for loving people who are different from us. You don't have to look too far across the aisle. You don't have to look too far down your road probably to find someone who is very different from you. You may not even know they're different from you. They may look like you, but they're different from you. We are just where people in this congregation are born. People in this church are born all over the world. From they're in Europe and Asia and Russia and the Ukraine, from Asia and Africa and Australia and the Caribbean and Canada. And actually, there's some people here that were born in the United States of America. It's true. It's true. And listen, our experiences, our experiences and our cultures and our family traditions are varied. They are varied. Our individual perspective on the world and politics and religion, and they run the gamut. I know this. You've been in my office. I've heard your story. I've heard your position on things. Sometimes it's very different from mine. I don't argue with you, but we've got, there's worlds of different understandings. And Jesus says, love each other. We have a great laboratory in which to practice loving people who are, are maybe a little different from us. One of the ways we can love each other better is to practice our skills at loving people who are, who are different from us, is to learn some tools, some tools to talk and explore together. The Peace and Justice Institute at Valencia College, in collaboration with Peter Block and Parker Palmer and the Dialogue Group and the Center for Renewal and, Whole, and Wholeness in Higher Education, developed 13 principles, 13 principles for how we treat each other. I want you to just listen. You don't have to take any notes. Uh, th- these 13 principles are on the back of the takeaways at the door as you leave today. So you don't have to take notes on these, but I just want you to listen to them. Um, because if we can learn to live like this and practice our conversations with each other like this, and our neighbors and our friends and our business associates and the people that we disagree with, it can change the world. Number one, create a hospitable and accountable community. Listen deeply, number two. I'm not going to give you the numbers. Listen deeply. Create an an advice-free zone. Isn't that good? Create an advice-free zone. Practice asking honest, open questions. Give space for unpopular answers. Respect silence. Ooh, that's a hard one, isn't it? You're talking, you share your version, and and the other person pauses, and you want to back up what you just said. You say some more about it. Let's respect silence. Suspend judgment. Suspend judgment. Identify assumptions. Speak your truth. When things get difficult, turn to wonder. That's one of my favorite ones. So, so here's here you're, 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 you're a moment of conflict and you, you're sharing something and you don't understand. Instead of going head to head, turn to wonder. I wonder why they think that. I wonder how they came to understand it that way. I wonder I wonder. Practice slowing down. All voices have value. 
and maintain confidentiality. Now, I want you to think for just a second about 2020. We just have ended. We're just barely into 2021. It was a year of turmoil in our nation and the world. Racial, political, economic, uh, experts fighting experts, social disagreements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Imagine, folks, just for a moment, if the two sides of the aisle in Washington just adopted these 13 principles to rule their conversations and debates, change our nation. There's not one of the descriptions in, of love in 1 Corinthians 13 that says love tolerates, love ignores, love gives a wide berth and sort of just runs around the end run. Love is willing to exist in, in silos, ethnically, uh, silos of language or socioeconomics or race or education that love avoids hard conversations. That's not what it says. If we look at the life of Jesus and his ministry on this earth, uh, we see demonstrated a love that knew no barriers, no barriers. John Claypool makes a great case that that's why they wanted to kill him. He just loved everyone without barriers. And he got in trouble enough to get him killed because he loved the wrong people. He, he loved Pharisees, all those church folks, loved all the Pharisees, and he loved the prostitutes. He, he loved the morally upright, those who you know, tried to keep all the commandments and look okay. And, and he also loved the morally degenerate. They didn't give a hoot about those things. He made no distinctions whatsoever between the classes of people. He just loved everybody. It was his way. He loved everyone. We just said goodnight to Elsie Fecundus as we laid her to rest at the cemetery over in Winter Park. And that afternoon, as we gathered around her grave, just some family and very close friends, a small group, as we enjoyed um, eulogizing her, I heard over and over about my friend Elsie, who loved everybody. She loved everybody. Oh, and there were some people, there were a handful of people she didn't like much. But, but, but the love of Jesus had so gotten into her that even for them, she loved everyone. He, her, his love flowed through her to everyone in her life. When I have loving each other and everybody else as one of the four things to remember, that's what I'm hoping is that we, the people of the whole life church, can love each other and everybody else with no barriers. No racial barriers, no political barriers, no national barriers, no gender barriers, no social barriers, no economic barriers, no educational barriers, no side of the tracks barriers, no sinfulness barriers. For us to come to the place where the other person's choice and their behavior and their lifestyle should in no way affect our love for them, which is really God's love poured through us. It's what it is. It's just what it is. And they, they may not like it, or if we do it really well, they might like it, but there's nothing they can do about our loving them. That kind of love will confirm our hope because everyone who loves, John says in 1 John 3, everyone who loves, everyone in the whole world who loves has been born of God and knows God. And, we rem and when we remember to love each other and everybody else, Great 
lifelong friendships with God will result. So please, 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 please remember to focus your eyes on Jesus. And remember to trust the gospel. And please, please, please remember to love each other and everyone else. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.